Well, good morning, Cross Point, and welcome, Matt. I am so glad you took the opportunity to tune in today as we've gathered together as the family of God to celebrate Jesus Christ, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, to, to lift his name up on high. We are so grateful for all that he's done for us, and we live a life of gratitude every single day, not just on Sunday, but every single day, shining as the light that he's called us to be in the world, because after all, Jesus is the light of the world, and we want to reflect him in every possible way. This morning, I don't know if you're gathered around your kitchen table or maybe in your living room, maybe you're just watching on your phone, but I'm so glad you've joined us in lifting up Jesus' name in praise with the praise team uh, as we have gathered around the table to be reminded of Jesus' sacrifice for us, but then the empty tomb that we celebrate, knowing that in him we have life and life abundantly. We are such a blessed people. In just a moment, we'll dig into the Word of God to see exactly what the Spirit's going to lay on our heart today and in the weeks to come. So I hope you do have have your Bibles with you this morning and you'll grab that New Testament. We're going to be in the book of 1 John 1 this morning. And so grab your Bibles, turn to 1 John. We'll be there in just a few moments as we launch this brand new series that I'm calling Shine. We are living in a world of chaos right now. And so we're called maybe more so than uh, recently to shine like Jesus like never before. And John tells us exactly what that should look like in the world in which we live. And so over the next three weeks, we're going to dig into that letter that John writes, 1 John, and kind of pull out some nuggets of wisdom that's going to help us on our walk as we try to be disciples, as we try to look like Jesus in this uh, culture that we currently live in. Now, 1 John has five chapters, and so I'm going to give you a challenge this morning, church. We're going to be in this series for the next three weeks, but I'm going to challenge you to read through the letter of 1 John for three weeks and do it three times. If you give every weekday a chapter and take the weekend off, you should be able to do it three times, no problem at all. And I know that you're going to be richly blessed with what John has to tell you in this letter about following Jesus Christ. I'm so glad, again, that you're with us today because we need to be together. And although we're not together physically, we are together in spirit and we walk in unison with Jesus Christ. Now, the letter of 1 John is written by the Apostle John, and he's more than likely the last apostle left alive out of the 12. And so he's kind of got this grandfather picture image, if you will, with the first century church. And he writes that letter, 1 John, about 95 AD. In that letter, he's concerned about some things. He often calls the church his children, and he's calling them to this closer walk with God through God's Son, Jesus Christ. Now, John also writes the Gospel of John. He writes 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, and he writes the book of Revelation. So he's got a lot to say in our New Testament. This, this guy that was an apostle, a disciple of Jesus, he walked with him, he talked with him, he watched miracles, he interacted and ate with Jesus. He was intimate with Jesus. He knows exactly who Jesus is and was, and he wants to relay that message to that 1st century church. Now, he's writing 1 John because he's concerned about a couple of false teachings that are coming around in this new group of Christians that are being produced. And he wants to squash those ideas. He wants to remind the church of who he is and the close relationship he had with Jesus Christ. 
and to remind them the gospel that he is talking about is the true gospel. Now, a couple of those things that he's reminding that church of is one, he's bearing down on this idea of Gnostic teaching. Gnosticism is simply the Greek word for knowledge. And many that were coming to know Jesus Christ and a part of the church were teaching this false doctrine that there was actually this mysterious knowledge that you could know about Jesus Christ and about God. And if you knew that, then you were really in a saved state. Anyone who didn't believe in that secret or mysterious knowledge uh, would be, uh, have a difficult walk with Christ. The other thing is docetism, which really stated Jesus really wasn't everything that he claimed to be. So that particular teaching indicated that Jesus was born of regular parents. He was not born of a virgin. As a matter of fact, he was a regular man right up until his baptism when the Spirit of God came upon him, that supernatural moment, and then the Spirit of God left him when he was on the cross. And so you've got these two very different teachings that are very different than the gospel. And John wants to say, you need to listen to me. Don't listen to what the world is telling you. I'm giving you directly from God how we're called to live and what the true gospel really is. So he's admonishing that first century church to pick up their cross, to be the light, to walk in the light, to love like Jesus loved, and to have that fellowship one with another that's just not able to be had anywhere else in the world. John's exhorting that first century church to keep following Jesus Christ and to shine like never before. And so in this three-week series, church, I want to admonish you and encourage you to also shine like Jesus. Maybe never before in our recent history have we had the opportunity to show the world what it means to follow Jesus Christ, to, to express the joy that we have in Christ, the hope we have in Christ, the peace we have in Christ, the love that we share because of Christ. We have so much to offer this dark world, this world that's full of noise, crisis, uh, and distraction. We want to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus and show the world what it means to follow him. And so we're reminded, John does, reminds us that we exhibit love for God by loving one another, that we really live together, that we work together, that we share life together, and that we act differently than the world around us. I mean, Jesus prayed for those who would be following him in John chapter 15, and he said, I want you to love each other like I have loved you. And how did Jesus love us? Well, he gave his life for us. And so we too, in our life with each other, it doesn't matter your skin color, your language, the culture that you come from, your nation of origin. It doesn't matter your socioeconomic uh, state in life. It doesn't matter who you are. We're called to equally love one another. And we do that with God empowering us to do so. It's the way of the community of Christ. That's the common thread that unites all of us is the love of Christ. So in this very difficult time that we're living in currently with all the different crises that exist around us, John is calling us today in 2020 to shine like Jesus to love like Jesus, to live like Jesus did. And so we'll begin our text this morning in 1 John chapter 1, beginning in verse 5. John says, This is the message we heard from Jesus and now declare to you that God is light and there is no darkness in him at all. 
So we are lying if we say we have fellowship with God, but go on living in spiritual darkness. We are not practicing the truth. But if we are living in the light, as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Church, that is enough to say hallelujah and amen. We get to live in the light. God is light. And because of God's light, his love, and what his son has done for us, we have the ability to say our sins are forgiven and that we can walk in the light like he is in the light that we are cleansed from wrongdoing because of Jesus Christ. What a powerful message for each and every one of us. I mean, Jesus said in John chapter eight, he said, I am the light of the world. And as followers of Christ, we're called to reflect that light all around us. Now, you know, as well as I do, all the different noises that are, are happening all around us. I mean, we've got the COVID event that is a worldwide pandemic. I mean, this is a, a, a difficult moment for many of you. You've lost your jobs or you've had your hours reduced and you're wondering how you're gonna make that house payment, how you're putting food on the table. Some of you are experiencing sickness right now because you've been in contact with someone that had COVID. Some of us may know people who have lost a loved one or a friend because of the COVID event. Right now, we're sitting at over 125,000 people in America who've lost their lives to this particular virus. It is wreaking havoc all over the world, much less here in our own country. We feel the racial tension that exists all over our country uh, between all different races of people. We feel uh, the tension that exists in our political system here in America. We feel the, the, uh, the undiscerning ways of the citizenship versus the authority figures that God's placed in those positions of authority. And we see and hear all the noise around us. But like our last series, Globe, we're called to fix our eyes on Jesus. He is the light of the world, and we want to reflect his light in all that we do. Now, as we kind of kick off this series in 1 John, I'm going to use the analogy of when we learn to walk and then how that works for us, spiritually speaking. And the very first thing that we do is that we begin to take our very first steps. Uh, you've got to get moving and start going forward if you're actually going to accomplish anything. A part of that is we, we don't live this life. We don't share the love of Christ. We don't uh, offer the peace and joy that only Jesus gives on our own accord. No, we all admit that we absolutely need Jesus Christ in our life. It's in him that we gain any kind of empowerment that we have at all. It's in him that we find life and life to the full. Now, it's interesting because as we live this out, we know that in him there is light well, on the outside of Jesus Christ, there's nothing but darkness. And you and I know what that feels like. I mean, I've messed up before. I've made mistakes before. You've messed up and made mistakes before. You and I have said things out of context and, and taken the wrong way. We've been hurtful in our comments. Our actions have not been very representative of Jesus Christ. I know in my life, that's the way it's been. The beauty is when we're found in Christ, there's forgiveness for our sin. There's the ability to move forward in the process, to continue taking those first steps. And take a look what John says, beginning in verse eight. He says, if we claim we have no sin, we're only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wick wickedness. 
If we claim we have not sinned, we're calling God a liar and showing that his word has no place in our heart. Another big piece of John's statement here is that we have forgiveness in Jesus Christ. I mean, amen. We have the ability to move past our guilt and our sin because of what Jesus Christ has done for us when we confess to him and to each other that we have messed up along the way, that we've dropped the ball, that we've not lived life like Jesus has called us to live. We have forgiveness for that sin. Now, I know that you have had the experience of seeing a child or grandchild walk for the very first time, the the very first steps. You've got your cameras out, the video is out, you've got your memory card ready. I mean, it is a glorious time in that house. I know there are shouts of uh, excitement and uh, you're honoring that kid as they take their first steps. And we are sometimes in the moments of our own Christian journey where we're just beginning to take those first steps. You remember in the series Glow that we just finished up, I talked about a crisis of belief. And for many of us, when we say yes to Jesus Christ, we're on that mountaintop experience. And we are seeing for miles, we would take on Satan in a heartbeat in that moment. But something typically happens along the way that causes us to doubt our faith. And we have a a setback. We kind of go down off the mountaintop just a little bit, maybe into the valley. We start strong and we're excited, but eventually we misstep and we don't represent Jesus Christ very well. I don't know what that looks like for you, but maybe for you, it's, it's an emotional, angry outburst. Maybe you are sick and tired and fed up with what is going on around us. COVID has got you kind of locked in your home and you just want things to get back to normal. And so you've snapped at times. Maybe you've yelled at your kids, your spouse, coworkers. I don't know what that looks like for you, but maybe it's, it's that angry outburst that's got you in trouble before. Maybe, maybe for you, it's lustful thoughts. Maybe your relationship with your computer late at night is, is difficult. You know it's wrong, but you find yourself back there too many times. Maybe it's, it's greed. And you want all the new shiny things in life that life has to offer. And so you're going to fill up your garage with those things. Maybe it's pride and ego. And it's difficult for you to say, I'm sorry. It's difficult to say that you made a mistake, that you kind of come with your hat in your hand and you're asking for forgiveness. Maybe that's difficult for you to do. Maybe it's uh, prejudices that exist in your own life. Maybe in the context of where we find ourselves right now, that there are some prejudices uh, emerging that you didn't even know that you had. Maybe against uh, someone of color, maybe someone of a different background or culture, maybe socioeconomic. I don't know what it is for you, but there are moments when you and I misstep and we don't represent Jesus Christ very well. There are moments when you found yourself there, you swore you'd never go back, you asked for forgiveness, you begin living life again in the light, walking in the light, only to find yourself back there weeks or months later. But what we find out that John tells us is that when we confess where we've been to Jesus Christ and to each other, then we are forgiven. He, after all, is our light. What a blessing we have in Jesus Christ. And if you agree with that church on the other end of the camera, say amen wherever you might find yourself. Now, you, you may realize, and you may have this experience too, there was a moment when your child began learning to ride a bike with training wheels. But then that weekend came, 
and your kiddo or grandchild said, you know what, I want to learn to ride a bicycle without training wheels. You remember that day. And so you took the training wheels off and some adult grabbed the back seat of that bicycle and you kind of jogged beside them as they rode down the sidewalk or the driveway. And at some point you kind of had to let go and see what happened. And we all know what happens the first time out. Generally, you fall off the bike. And I want to encourage us as Christian people. For some of us, we've known Jesus for a long time, but we've decided for whatever reason, we're not taking the training wheels off. Church, I'm telling you right now in our culture is the time to remove the training wheels. It is time to really seek out and express a mature faith in your walk. It's time for you to reflect that light of Jesus Christ to those around you, to not wait on someone else to pull you along or ask you to do it, but you know exactly how to live for Christ. And so the call is that you would take off those training wheels and launch out being everything that Jesus Christ has called you to be. You love first. Don't wait for your neighbors to reach out in love or or your neighborhood or your workplace. You be the person who leads the way. Show them what peace, joy, love looks like from you. When you do take those first steps and when you kind of get brave enough to do that, what typically happens, I've already said it, that we end up falling. But when you do fall, you stand back up. That's what you end up doing. Because you can't stay down on the ground if you want to move forward in your walk with Christ. If you want to continue to mature in the light, you've got to get up and keep moving forward in the light. Take a look what John says in John, 1 John chapter 2 and verses 1 beginning. My dear children, I'm writing this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, you have an advocate. Praise God who pleads our case before the Father. He is Jesus Christ, the one who truly is righteous. He himself is the sacrifice that atones for our sins, and not only for our sins, but the sins of all the world. Church, we are so blessed to have an incredible Savior who gave his life for us, but then rose and conquered death. And because of that, you and I can say goodbye to the guilt in our life, goodbye to the sin in our life, because it's already been forgiven when we celebrate him as our Lord and Savior. I mean, how do you respond after you fall? The truth is, you're going to do one of two things. You're either going to stay down and wallow in whatever it is that you fell into, or you're going to reach up and grab the hand of Jesus, allow him to pick you up, dust you off, and continue your journey toward the cross, representing him in all things. Because the truth is, once the light of Jesus hits the darkness and it's revealed for what it really is, which is absolutely nothing, then we move forward in our walk with Jesus Christ. And right now we can look all around us and see the darkness that exists, things called racism, things called prejudice, pride, arrogance, ego, self-centeredness. All of these things do not belong to Jesus Christ. And so we get rid of those things and our fix and our focus is on Jesus Christ, him being the light of the world. We want to reflect that light and not what culture is telling us to reflect. At times, we forget that we're in Christ and that we have forgiveness, but we're reminded, John does today, that Jesus forgives our sin. 
You see, our whole Christian walk ends up being about losing our footing and then getting back up and continuing to travel forward. Paul said that over and over in the letters that he wrote. He had not yet attained perfection, but he was moving toward it. And we do the same thing in our own Christian walk. Our Christian walk is a process. It's a learning. It's understanding how we're maturing in the light and then reflecting that light. I mean, think about your own kids for a minute. Because they make one bad decision or two bad decisions or eight bad decisions, I mean, you don't walk away from them, do you? Sure, you might be disappointed, but you stick with them. You love them. You want them to succeed. You urge them on. And verse two reminds us, John says, look, you have a personal savior. Don't stay down. Don't let the world get you down. Live and walk in the light that is Jesus Christ. See, here's the one thing I know about Satan. Satan knows that he's lost the war. He's lost the battle. And he is headed to a godless, empty void. And his desire is to take as much of God's creation with him as he possibly can. And that includes you. You see, misery loves company. And so Satan has his eyes, his sights set on your marriage. He has his sights set on your kids and your parenting. He's got his sights set on your calendar. He's trying to push the margins out so you don't have time for Jesus Christ. He's got his sights set on the relationship you have with your computer. He's got his sights set on your career, your job, your income, and the list goes on. Satan wants to take you down with him. So the question this morning is, how are you walking? Are you walking in the light? Because church, that's how we're called to live as we follow Jesus. John calls us to remember, walk in the light. And maybe during these past few months, you've discovered that you've said some hateful things, some mean-spirited things to coworkers, to your neighbors. Maybe you've just shouted at the TV, kind of how you felt as you watched the news unfold. Maybe you've discovered that you've been unloving in some of your actions, even discriminatory. But even in those moments, church, we can come back to the light. We can say no to what the world is offering us and yes to everything that Jesus Christ offers us. You see, it's a thing called repentance and an idea that I'm gonna turn around 180 degrees from the direction I was heading because I want to belong to Jesus. I wanna be the light to those around me. I wanna shine like never before. I wanna be totally different than I used to be. There's another apostle by the name of James, and uh, he writes a letter in our New Testament as well. It's interesting, James and John both together are called the Sons of Thunder. And I think, man, that is such a cool title. It kind of sounds like a couple of guys that you don't want to mess with that on the street, the Sons of Thunder. James is the other half, and John is the other half. But James says in James chapter 4 and verse 7, some encouraging words. He says, humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come close to God and God will come close to you. And I don't know about you, but I'm encouraged to know that the more I resist the temptation that the Satan is throwing my way, the more that he will move away from me and God moves even closer to me than he already is. So we begin by taking those first steps and walking in the light. And in moments when we fall down, when we make poor choices, we get right back up, we dust ourselves off, and we keep walking in the light, walking toward the cross. And that's the third point, is that keep walking. Walk again, if you will. Take a look at verse 3, 1 John chapter 2. John says, we can be sure that we know him 
if we obey his commands. And we're called to love God and love people. Jesus says that is the greatest command. And that's the one that we wanna follow through with as John calls us to love God, we obey his commands. I mean, how many of you grew up doing chores in your house? And maybe right now you're a parent or a grandparent and you've got chores for your kids to do. I know during school, you know, when they come home, it's we're gonna do homework right off the bat. That's the first thing we're gonna take care of. During the school year, you're making your bed up before we head out to go to school. During the summer, that might be a little lax. Nonetheless, you're gonna keep your room clean. I don't care if we're home for months on end, that is gonna be clean. Your bed's gonna be made. On the weekend, I want you to mow the yard. You need to trim the grass as well. Twice a week, you're gonna take out the trash. We've all had those kind of chores along the way and maybe now you're training your own children to to be a, a, a part of that and to experience that kind of responsibility. Well, do they always do what you've asked them to do? Well, of course, the answer is no. I didn't do everything my mom and dad wanted me to do. I remember when we lived in Kansas City, both my boys were in junior high and high school. The trash came twice a week, and it never failed. On those particular days, I would ask them before bed, have you gathered the trash, put it in the receptacle, and put it out by the road? Oh, no, I forgot to do that. And it drives you crazy. It's like, it comes the same time every week, twice a week. You should remember this. They don't always do that, but does that mean we stop loving them, stop training them, stop walking alongside them? You see, God doesn't do that for us either. There's sometimes we drop the ball, but he doesn't leave us. He continues to walk with us, love us, train us. I mean, think about how do you model failure yourself? How do your children, your grandchildren see you model failure? Remember, we get some idea of how God truly is by the way we parent our own kids. Verse three reminds us that God's love language is obedience. So we're called to walk in the light. We're called to walk in love. We're called to reflect Jesus Christ and be Jesus to all those that we come in contact with. Take a look at the final part of our text this morning. First John chapter two, beginning in verse four. John says, if someone claims I know God, but doesn't obey God's commands, that person is a liar and is not living in the truth. But those who obey God's word truly show how completely they love him. That is how we know we are living in him. Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. Did you hear that? We're called to live as Jesus did. That's God's hope for us, that we would live our life just like Jesus did, that we would live in love, full of grace, mercy, compassion, that we would be inclusive to all those around us, that we would share the light and shine out the love of of God in our own life, the love that Jesus has for us. You remember the story about the training wheels and taking the training wheels off. And we help balance, but typically by the age of 10, the kids got their, their uh, handlebars in tow and they are well balanced on that bicycle, able to, to do whatever they need to do up and down the street. They've learned balance. And God's hope is that you too, in your spiritual walk, will learn balance. That you and I will, will live in the light that we will shine Jesus out for all those around us, 
that will walk in the light, that will live in love, that will live just like Jesus did. May you have every bit of peace and joy in your life that God wants to offer you through his son, Jesus Christ. May you feel the burden lifted from guilt or sin that you have in your life, knowing that Jesus has taken that away from you. May you feel empowered by the Holy Spirit, maybe to do things that you've never done before for the cause of Christ. My hope is that you will always live in Christ, that you'll represent him in word and deed in language that you'll let this chaotic world know what light looks like, what peace and joy look like truly, what the love of God looks like in his son, Jesus Christ.